I'm Beth Davis and welcome to Teachable Tuesday. We're doing something amazing every Tuesday morning for the next few months. We're reading the Gospel of John together. If it's your first time, welcome. It's not too late to get started. We would love to pray with you, love to read scripture with you, love to grow in holiness with you. And today, today is for you. So we're going to read actually John chapter four. We're already on John four today. We're going to read that. And listen, I want to give you a gift. I know many of you have been reading the gospel of John all week long in preparation for today, sitting with one chapter every single day, the same chapter every single day. But I want you now to just receive the word I'm going to read. And I just want to invite you uh, to be still to be silent um, and to pay attention to those movements of your heart as I read God's word. What is striking you? What uh, does this chapter, this gospel stir in you? So I'm gonna read it, we're gonna pray, we're gonna dive into Teachable Tuesday. Sound good? All right, let's invite the Holy Spirit. We never wanna try to read scripture without the Holy Spirit. He is the author of scripture, he inspired it, he breathed scripture, so he's the one who will reveal scripture to us. Um, let's do that again. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Illuminate our hearts, our minds. Help us, Lord, um, to see this, your word, with fresh eyes, to receive it uh, with fresh ears. Give us new insights, Lord, into your heart. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty again or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. 
what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap, for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. When the two days were over, he went from the place, that place to Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in the prophet's own country. When he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him since they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the festival, for they too had gone to the festival. Then he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had changed the water into wine. Now there was a royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my little boy dies. Jesus said to him, go, 
your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started on his way. As he was going down, his slaves met him and told him that his child was alive. So he asked them the hour when he began to recover, and they said to him yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did after coming from Judea to Galilee. Lord, we praise you, we thank you, we bless you, we trust you. So grateful for your word. Lord, for the way that uh, you reveal your heart in the word. And God, would you grant us the grace to conform our lives to your word, to conform our lives to your heart. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, just reading a chapter from the Gospel of John every week is like its own Teachable Tuesday. I just want to sit down and be quiet and ponder it. Uh, but God grant me the grace to talk about my one takeaway. I think it's an important practice to develop, really paying close attention to what stirs our hearts as we read Scripture. Because there's so much happening all the time. Scripture, maybe you've heard this before, is like an onion. Mm -hmm. And as we peel it back, there are deeper revelations of, of God's heart, His will, uh, His works, the way He works in our lives. But at any given moment, God is deepening and revealing one thing. And so I don't want you to get overwhelmed by the length of the chapter or uh, all of the historical context in a chapter. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by the theological implications. I want you to pay attention to your heart as you read scripture. What is that one verse, one phrase, one word, one detail that captures your attention? And stay there. Stay there and allow the Lord to speak. Allow the Lord to reveal. Uh, sit still with the word and soak in it. That's our, our new practice here on Teachable Tuesday. Rather than me getting up here and sharing a word, I'm inviting you uh, to let the Holy Spirit give you a Teachable Tuesday every day of the week to reveal to you the one thing that the Lord wants to give you, whether it's correction or uh, direction or uh, encouragement to stay with it. And to be honest, in a chapter like John 4, well, in every chapter of the Gospel of John so far, I have been overwhelmed by one things, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I've had too many things. Uh, it's like eating uh, at a banquet. I can't get enough, but it, it's hard for me to go deep with one thing. And this morning, as I was praying, do I go this way? Do I go that way? Do I, I develop this? I just looked at the Lord in Eucharistic adoration and I said to him, what's the most important thing? And I heard the Lord in my heart say, you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Lord, I don't have time for this, okay? I'm trying to write a talk. I really need you to focus. What's the most important thing about John chapter four? And he said it again, you. You are the most important thing. Every word of this chapter, John four, is for you. 
every word in this book of scripture, all of the words that the Lord ever spoke, that he ever penned through his Holy Spirit, they're for you. You are that important to the Lord. In a way, and, and this gets maybe a little dicey, but hear my heart, hear the Lord's heart. It's really all about you. He sent his son to win you. Everything is about uh, getting your love, being in relationship with you. He's after you. He's after your heart. You are that important to him, as you are. You are that important to him that he would go out of his way to pursue you, to wait for you patiently. He does this for the woman at the well and he's, he's doing it for you. The reason he does it for the woman at the well it is not because of her, it's because of you. Well, it is mysteriously because of her and it's for you. But you know, as I share that, that really precious word from the Lord that I probably need another holy hour to process, I, I understand that you might be feeling a little resistance, a little hesitation, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, Beth, how can that be true? I'm a sinner. Me too. How can that be true? I, I haven't really had that experience of God pursuing me. Well, I might just invite you once again to look back over your life and to see the evidence of, of God's pursuit, to see his hand, to see his protection, but we have to see it with the eyes of faith. The problem is that many of us have been led to believe that our worth is based on lots of other things, typically exterior things, what we do, what we produce, how we look. Even in the church, and this is a temptation for me, even in my relationship with the Lord, I can fall victim to thinking that my worth is based on how I behave, how well I am living the gospel how fully I'm responding to God's will in my life, his promptings in my life. And I can really judge and measure myself. I can be very hard on myself. But this isn't how the Lord judges, is it? We, we hear um, him speaking to uh, David in the Old Testament, telling the prophet Samuel that he doesn't look upon exterior things, that he looks upon the heart. And the Lord sees your heart the Lord loves your heart. He wants to bless your heart in relationship with him. He's pursuing your heart. Who you are is worthy of that pursuit. Jesus uh, came to pursue your heart, to win you for all of eternity, to be with the Father in heaven. He came uh, to make a way for you to be united with him, which is possible here and now through prayer, but is your divine destiny that if we're purified, if we walk in relationship with him, if we stay close to his sacred heart, particularly in the sacraments, he's preparing us for an eternity in the bosom of the Trinity, right in the heart of God. That's where you're meant to be. That's where your heart finds its rest. That's where your heart finds everything you've ever looked for is in the heart of God. Your heart's were made for each other. And I want to look closely at uh, the pursuit of the heart of God for the heart of man here in John chapter 4. And where I want to zoom in is on John 4 verse 4. But he had to go through Samaria. He had to go 
through Samaria. The thing is, he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews at this time would uh, go to great lengths, literally, to avoid Samaria. They would take a totally different route because, as Saint Fotina, the woman at the well, tells us, Jews and Samaritans do not share things in common. They go to great pains to avoid sharing things in common, especially food, because Jews uh, saw that uh, after the Assyrian, oh Lord Jesus help me, after the Assyrians came and overtook that region in Israel, they intermingled with these foreign uh, countries, with these foreign gods. In fact, this is what Jesus is referencing when he says that you've had five husbands. Now that's true about Saint Fotina, that she's had these five entanglements. But he's speaking more broadly of the people of the Samaritans who have uh, been intermingled and entangled with five different false gods. They have had different lords, different balls, which interesting little translation here. The word ball means lord and it means husband. Jesus is saying you've had five husbands, five different lords. You've given your heart away five times, but now I, the bridegroom. Remember John the Baptist calls Jesus in John 2, the bridegroom. The bridegroom has come now to rescue his bride. You are his bride. You are the beloved of his heart. You are uh, so loved by God that he sent his only son. We read that last week, John 3. 16, there's one story being told throughout the Gospel of John, throughout all of Scripture, and that is that your builder wants to marry you, that God uh, wants to be in intimate, committed, covenant relationship with you. This is a pursuit of hearts. He's come, the, the God of the universe sent his son so that a beating, living heart would come and pursue and win your beating, living heart. And here's the beautiful thing. Not only does he come, he goes all the way. He goes to the well and he sits and he waits. He's waiting for her at the well. It's not St. Fotina who has this revelation, wow, I better get my act together. I... I I need more. I, I'm looking for more. She didn't even know what she was looking for. She's looking for it in relationships with other men. She's, she's looking for it in, she's looking for love in all of the wrong places. But Jesus, he meets her in her desire before she can even articulate her desire. He sits and he waits at the well. And friend, he's waiting for you too. He's waiting for you. He's waiting in confession. He's waiting in the Holy Eucharist and he's waiting in the Catholic Church for you. Because he loves you, his heart waits for you in the church. You know, as I, as I read and I pray with the Gospel of John, I'm overwhelmed by how Catholic the Gospel is. It shouldn't be a surprise, right? Uh, of course, the word um, supports and uh, puts forward the church. They work together. It's all one revelation of Jesus Christ. But when I read John 4 in particular, I am overwhelmed by um, this picture of confession that St. Fotina comes to Jesus who is sitting and waiting 
And he tells her and she tells him everything she has ever done. And what's her response after this interaction? Does she feel guilt and shame? Does she hang her head? No, she responds to his love and receives his mercy and, and leaves full of joy. She leaves behind that water jar and she runs back to her people, to her community, to proclaim that Jesus told her everything she had ever done. I don't know about you, but when I think about somebody knowing everything I've ever done, I feel a little sheepish. But there's a freedom that comes in the sacrament of confession. When we go and, and we unburden our hearts, give voice to these sins that weigh heavy upon us, when we bring those dark things into the light, and that light is Jesus Christ, there's a freedom and a joy. So friend, I want to invite you to receive the sacrament of confession, to be reconciled heart to heart in the sacrament of confession. Jesus is waiting for you. And he waits in the most holy Eucharist. He, he waits in the tabernacle, in every tabernacle all over the world. You know, after mass, when uh, the bread and the wine become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, he doesn't leave again. He doesn't go away. The Eucharist is reposed, goes to, to rest and to wait in the tabernacle. He's always available to you. He is still sitting at that well in every tabernacle, waiting for you to come and to share your heart, to drink of the living water. He's waiting for you in the Eucharist. I, you know, I, I heard in John 4 just the response of the heart of Jesus uh, to our desire that we would never be alone, for him to never leave. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed. It, it's not enough, this one-time encounter, right? You have this beautiful experience of Jesus on a retreat when you were in high school. You had a, a beautiful encounter with God and his word. You had a conversation about the Lord that really encouraged you. You can't live on those graces forever. We've got to go back and drink again from that well of living water from the heart of Jesus. And he's waiting to satisfy your thirst in the Eucharist, your literal thirst when you eat and drink, when, when we receive and consume his precious body and blood. He's waiting for you. Your desire to never be alone, he met that. He stayed and he's waiting for you. And the Lord is, is waiting in the church. And this was a, an interesting one, just as I was praying for you. I had on my heart uh, this longing, this desire to invite you to become Catholic. Maybe you've been watching Teachable Tuesday or reading the daily devotion here on Blessed Is She. Maybe you've gone to mass before, but uh, there's something holding you back. Maybe it was, maybe it was a really negative encounter with a priest. God bless him, God, God help him and heal him. Maybe it was a, a, a negative encounter with someone on your parish staff. There could be a thousand reasons that the enemy uh, could have used to keep you separate from the Lord Jesus Christ in the church, in the sacraments. But I wanna invite you, and I really feel the heart of Jesus inviting you to come home to be one with him, to receive the sacraments, to be received into the arms of the church, into the arms of your mother Mary. If, if anything has been holding you back, I want you to understand that this is for you. 
This Teachable Tuesday, this appeal is directly from the heart of Jesus for you. And if there's anything that we can do at Blessed Ushi to help you take that step in faith, to respond to the call of Jesus in your life, to be one with him, to make it official, to become Catholic, we want to support you. We want to help you. And we're going to do that by praying with you praying for you, giving you resources to help you take that step in faith. You don't take that step alone. You're, you're actually coming into a, a big and beautiful family here in the church. You know, I've had this experience recently where uh, the Lord's been impressing upon my heart more and more that when I have these kind of one-off interactions, right, might be with uh, somebody in the coffee drive-thru, um, might be a server at a restaurant, uh, it might be just someone I run into at the store, maybe an acquaintance, maybe a stranger that I, I strike up a chat with. I do that sometimes. I sense the Lord, I can pray for them. And, you know, in the past, when I thought about evangelization, I thought it had to look a certain way. I thought I had to be way more formed and have all of the answers to the, the hot button issues and have um, this this Real, this intellectual knowledge of the church and, and history and be able to answer any and all questions that could potentially, maybe, come to me. But I found that when I just ask people, how can I pray for you? Their hearts break wide open. Everyone is looking for Jesus. They might not know it yet, but Every single person is looking for Jesus because every single human person, every single human heart was created for union with the heart of God. His love is spending their whole lives per pursuing them, waiting patiently for them, calling them by name, inviting them to be reconciled to his heart so they can be one. I'm struck by St. Fotina who has all of these questions and is so distracted by wondering, is this the right way to worship? And who's right on this issue? And why are you doing it this way? And yet in the end, it comes down to this one desire. All she wants is the Messiah. All she wants is to be saved. All she wants is to have an encounter with the living God and Jesus. He meets her there in that desire. He says, I am he. Friend, he is everything you're looking for everything you're longing for. He is the love that you've been waiting for your entire life. He is the fullness of that goodness, that beauty, that truth that you've tasted, that you've glimpsed, but you've wondered, can I ever be satisfied? It's in Jesus. The fulfillment of all of your desires can be found in Jesus. You were made for him. Your heart was made for him. So respond today in faith. Come back to the church. Come and receive him in confession. Go to him in Holy Communion or in Eucharistic Adoration. Come into the fullness of faith in the Catholic Church. Jesus is waiting for you. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Jesus. Thank you. Your heart, your love, are so much better than we could imagine, Lord. I, I want to say, God, that you're too good to be true, but miraculously, you are. 
it's better. You are better. Your love is better than we can um, ask for or imagine. So Jesus, would you pour your love afresh into the hearts of every um, heart watching? Fill them to overflowing with your merciful, healing love. Whisper that word, Lord, that is just for them from your precious sacred heart to their their beating, longing human heart. You are all that we look for, all that we long for. Show us your love, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Now, listen up. <laughs> little reminder. We're starting John chapter 5 today. Don't worry about it if you haven't been reading along all along, but we're going to start today reading John chapter 5 every day this week, and I'll see you back here next week to talk about John chapter 5. I'd love to hear your takeaways. Leave them in the comments below. We love you. God bless you, and I'll see you next week. Bye.